Blog Talk Radio. Talk.com, as well as John M. Davis, books.wix.lfl network. So uh, alongside Troy Wilson and Kishi Free, uh, we will not have Holly Custis today, but she'll be making her way back next week. Uh, another edition of the Blitz. A lot of excitement in the women's game this weekend. Uh, so we'll, we'll also be talking women's gridiron recaps as we go within the hour here. Uh, today we have a great show. We have uh, the talented running back of the St. Louis Slam, Taylor Hay of the WFA, and she's going to be uh, hanging out with us, talking WFA playoffs for 2016, the uh, reemergence of the Slam once again in the WFA, and the big victory against Katie Sowers, uh, the 32-0 to victory, the Slam against the Titans. So, uh, Troy, welcome. What's going on? Hey, man. Just, uh, you know, enjoying a, I enjoyed a long weekend. Had some barbecue, had the grill going, you know, had some burgers, some dogs. I wish I could have bought out the smoker because I wanted to get that nice Boston butt and, and and cook that for about, smoke that for about 13 hours or brisket. I didn't get to do that, man. So it wasn't all the way good. I think, you know, every Memorial Day I have to do that. But, you know, with the weather around here and the rain, it kind of like put a damper on a lot of the stuff. Hey, but I still got out there and grilled a lot. So, and then also had a big shout out to all the all the service people, all the servicemen, uh, and all the service women who put their lives on the line. That's what the day was really about. So I got a chance to reflect on some of that with my family members who were in the military and friends that were in the military. So to get a chance to you know shed light on them, I thought that was that was fantastic. And then Washington D.C. area. That's always a big deal where you have the motorcycle rides and, you know, you have Arlington Cemetery and a lot of, you know, things going on where the, at the war memorials downtown in D.C. So it was, it, was a, it was a great weekend. You know, you got a chance to reflect, got a chance to relax. A lot of that is what it's really about. Yeah, it, just, uh, it was a great event over here in Cali, too. Uh, you know, I got to see a lot of uh, former uh, – soldiers that were serving when I was serving and then obviously the you can't forget the fallen and the memory of you know everyone that's probably in the service right now and those that are obviously um, incapable that need assistance that are obviously in a state of uh, you know just uh, they've come back wounded and they're no longer whole 
emotionally and physically. And so a lot of people, I don't think, understand that aspect of it. Uh, the fact that we have certain uh, servicemen, they're obviously in dire needs of it, just like any disabled person at some point in their career, you know, in their lives. Uh, family support sometimes isn't enough to where, you know, uh, the, the family does, can't relate. So it's always nice to have a fellow soldier or someone able to assist you, just like you would be on the battlefield to try to get you through uh, an emotional state or try to get you through some sort of physical state uh, to make, you know, your livelihood better, your state of mind better, and and get you to understand, uh, you know, to living. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times you get to that stage where you get to depression, and depression sometimes leads to more horrible things. And, uh, you know, creating a Band-Aid for that uh, and, and basically creating an outlet. So, a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't relate to that uh, – I think the uh, the millennial group, as people would call them, the younger group, have not gone through you know two wars, Vietnam, or any other devastated uh, you know aspect of war. So they really can't appreciate, I think, the the freedom factor as much as uh, maybe somebody that uh, grew up in the 70s, the 60s, the 50s, the 40s, and even before that, you know. So uh, a, a lot of a lot of perspective has to be put into it, and we we can't forget. That's that's the biggest thing that I tell people. You know, you can't forget uh, freedom isn't isn't uh, privileged. There's no privilege for freedom. You know what I mean? It it could be taken away. There's just a lot of things that could be in play, and before you know it, your rights are taken away, and your and things just happen. So um, I mean, a lot of people can relate to that in in certain generations, and our current generation, I don't think you can really relate as much, uh, unless you've served and you've obviously sacrificed something for our country. Then you can relate to the struggles, um, you know, the, the stuff that's happening overseas right now. Currently, we're current service servicemen are uh, serving, you know, protecting and uh, trying to help the world to be a better place. So uh, a lot of it in that aspect. But, uh, you know, celebration is what what it's all about. Memorial Day is to celebrate, uh, like you said, Troy, to be with family. Those that obviously you are close to that have, you know, put their lives on the line for our country and for our freedoms and for the ability for us to live freely. and uh, without having to have be terrorized and all that. So some some countries overseas don't have that luxury. So it's like we, we have to understand that part, that we obviously live in a pretty cool place. So um, so I don't know if Nkishi's going to be on with us today. Let me see if he's, she's on. I don't see her today, so I'm assuming she's either going to be coming later or she's going to be on for a little bit. Uh, uh, so I'm finding out that right now. So, But we'll go solo. Uh, not a problem. Holly was supposed to be here today, but she was out in Vegas. So I'm pretty sure um, she, we'll talk about that next week as well. But she was hanging out in Vegas, so having a good time uh, traveling back. So um, if Vegas. you saw that, yeah. So she wasn't on crutches in Vegas, from what I can see. She's getting along pretty well. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't, you, can't you, you know, that kind of puts a damper on the party. You walking around and crushing. You, you gotta get. Oh. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, she's. I'm pretty sure she. I'm pretty sure she'll be listening to that remark. <laughs> but uh, enjoy it, Holly. Enjoy it. Um, we we know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So, and it probably wasn't in crutches, from what I could tell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, Troy, we're gonna, we were going to talk about the sensitive subject that obviously gets into a political realm, but
but we're going to do it in a in a a sports perspective because I know you know we all have political uh, preferences and all that, especially in this election year, and we all have hot button topics that we we prefer. But uh, let's talk about the big the big gorilla, which is the uh, the NFL. Now the NFL, uh, and we're talking specifically about trans the transgender law in um, Charlotte, in North Carolina, where a lot of the sports teams um, kind of I don't know if I want to I want to put it in perspective here. Um, we had Michael Sams, who came out and says I'm a gay male uh, male athlete, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be playing in the NFL, and unfortunately, he got cut. So he either physically couldn't cut it as a football player, and so that took away, you know, the fact that some people would say, well, because he was gay, they obviously didn't let him, in, you know, didn't let him play or didn't, you know, make an effort to keep him or whatever. So that's one aspect of it. But when you get to the situation here in North Carolina, because we have those types of people that have phobias and they think of certain, you know, uh, certain race or gender as being not, not to their liking or anything like that. But in a sports sense, um, the question really dictates here, the NFL um, took a stance and said, we, we're not going to discriminate anybody, you know, but because they, they can't control legislation and they obviously they can't control what the state does and what each state does. So my question is here, the restrooms will be changed. Uh, we don't have to deal with like, you know, your kids at school, and having somebody that's transgender in the same, uh, you know, same bathroom or same area, like you would at school with a certain age group. So this, this here, what's your take on the fact that the NFL basically is, you know, is going to be okay with the fact that if they put a, an upgraded placard in the stadium wing, they're okay with the fact they're not going to discriminate against any transgender person. Uh, honestly, I believe anything that's inclusionary is good. Um, I think. There are there are people in society who who want to be included, and you know transgender uh, people are one of them. And I, I don't see. I mean, I you know you you have some people who have, you know they brought up their concerns about it. I think, and I don't you know I, I don't want to speak for them, but I can't help but feel this way about it. But I think it's more so about what their personal choice is and what their personal comfortability is. Um, you have a group of, you have some people out there who are uncomfortable with a transgendered person and for whatever reason. Um, and, and, and I think with what's going on now in society with more people being openly, you know, um, LGBT. And I, I just think, when when you include everyone in it, and then you make it not so much, not so taboo, I think that's a good thing. You have less people who you know who and we you you know we spoke earlier upon being on a depression, and just imagine how you know because I know growing up you know when I was growing up there wasn't too many openly gay people, and that's because of how they were treated. And and how they were separated, and how people made fun of them, or some people even even took it further and became violent towards them. And now, with the society being inclusionary and wanting to, you know, embrace people's individuality, I think what happens is now is that you encourage people to be themselves. And anytime you can be yourself, you know, you're just more comfortable. 
you know, it, it's just it just makes you more comfortable. It makes you less, um, you know, uh, depressed because I know. I mean, people there are a lot of people out there who were depressed and they had to keep that under wraps and was and, and were hiding things like that. And I just think being inclusionary is a great thing. Now, when you're talking about bathrooms, and you know, I, I never really understood the debate. I just, uh, you know, if they want to have a separate bathroom, fine. If they don't want to have a separate bathroom, that's fine with me, too. It just didn't move the needle for me. But just seeing how people are so up in arms about trying to control what someone else does or how someone dresses or how someone wants to portray themselves sexually, should we really have to dictate that to someone? I just don't think you should. You should be able to, you know, to dress and do and act and, you know, Dress yourself however you want to. And for that matter, you should go to whatever bathroom you want to, in my opinion. I mean, if you feel like you're, you're if you are, you were born a man, and now you have transitioned over to a woman, and you want to use a woman's bathroom, I don't see anything wrong with that. And then vice versa. You know, I just, you know, I never really understood that. And then, because, so you hear some people come back and say, well, I don't want, my daughter being in the bathroom with a man, uh, you know, and, and and vice versa, you know, their son in the bathroom with a woman. But there are so many instances where it could also go awry, you know. You and you know, not to you know, but just you know, being real about it, you have a lot. You have pedophilia out there. So you use men that go in the bathrooms; they're pedophiles, and they go in the bathrooms with men. You know, but you don't think about that. I mean, I think about that all the time. You know, I just, I, I don't want my, my my kids to be, um, you know, put out in, into any situation where they're possibly harmed or possibly dangerous. So it has less to do with how someone dresses. I mean, I don't think that's the narrative. Here. So, I mean, well, the I, aspect, all in all, the aspect I, don't, of, I don't feel so bad about it, you know. Yeah, no, the aspect I was bringing up is, is just in a sports aspect because when we go into a political or like I said, a legislation or a state aspect, uh, you have a lot, a lot of opinions from everybody. You know, some folks feel like you said the, the way you feel, which is not going to be a big deal. Others feel like sort of intrusion, uh, you know, something that is upon themselves. And others probably feel like they don't have a, they don't have an issue completely on it. If you put an extra placard and everybody gets to use the bathroom, uh, you know, some people feel otherwise. But in an NFL scope, which would, which was a you know what we're talking about here, in a business sense, I don't think it's going to do anything in general for them to uh, or any sports organization for them to say well, we're not going to play a game until you change the law to include uh, transgender people, because I think in reality that doesn't make business sense because you're no, losing no. a lot of money if you go that route. So at this point, I think yeah. they made the good call by saying you know we're just going to stick to whatever the you know, the, 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 we're going to stick to whatever the uh, legislature and the state decides uh, whether we agree or not. You know, our, our business stance is we're not going to discriminate on game day. It's basically the ultimate, you know, statement on there that, like you said, Troy, everybody's welcome to use the bathroom <laughs> within, within well, the, the, uh, the guidance that is within the law. So. Well, there is, I mean, there is leverage to that also. I mean, because if you have a yeah. state like, you know, North Carolina who, you know, I, I'm not sure if they've ever been on the list as far as for the Super Bowl, but you would guarantee that if North Carolina didn't change their stance on it, they wouldn't get things like the Super Bowl. 
Now, North Carolina's never hosted a Super Bowl, but it's not like it's, it's out of the realm of possibility. New York City held a Super Bowl, and it was in an outdoor state, you know. So, I mean, it's a possibility. You know, Charlotte's a, uh, it's a booming, up-and-coming city. There's a lot of business that goes on in, in the city of Charlotte. It's an up-and-coming city. And this could actually, this could really take a toll, you know, sports-wise, because, I mean, that revenue can, can be hit. And that's the one thing that everyone uses that leverage, they use the money. And so I, I think what's going to end up happening is, and whether the NFL or the Carolina Panthers or whoever take a stance on it, it it'll actually be out of their realm of control because uh, you know, eventually I think these these uh, sports teams could end up losing money if their states don't go along with, you know, the inclusionary, you know, uh, uh, Mindset that you know the society will prefer to have. I think I think it's a hot button topic because reality is uh, you have to be uh, on a business side of things. Uh, you're caught in the middle. <laughs> you're caught in the middle because literally uh, you're either going to uphold some sort of decision based on the on the state. And based on everybody that decided one way or the other, and you're going to have to make adjustments and decisions about doing business, um, which is you know which is the case. And so you know the NBA is going through that right now as well because they were they were planning to do the All Star game there as well. Um, so the NFL is going to have to look into that as well. Um, I I don't know how that's going to end up at this point, but uh, you know it's just it's just really things that are out of control in terms of a business sense on a political sense. Uh, it's it's an ongoing thing that obviously, like you said, is being addressed not just in one state but in a nationwide scope. So, um, so I think the NFL statement by saying, "Hey, we're not going to discriminate on game day. We're not going to be doing that. Uh, we're going to go by the you know by obviously the state laws set in place, and then you know sensitive to those things uh, on you know on their t- type of scope." So that makes sense. Um, so Troy, let's let's bring in our guests. Uh, we should bring in, I think, I believe she should be on right now. Let's go ahead and bring in the talented running back of the St. Louis Slam, uh, Taylor Hay. Taylor, are you on? I am. Taylor, welcome. Thanks uh, for making the time. Yes, we can. Okay. Hey, Taylor, cool. how's it going? Um, yeah. Hi. So you're on with uh, Troy Wilson and myself, Oscar Lopez. Uh Taylor, um, I don't know what to tell you, but uh, I think a lot of people were shocked. Uh, you guys pretty much stated that it wasn't really a shock because it's sort of a rivalry interstate. But a lot of people were shocked this year that uh, you guys could uh, put a donut on Katie Sowers and the Titans. So tell us a little bit about the game and how it, how that transpired. And it's a great win for you guys. Uh, thank you. Uh, a lot of people are surprised, uh, but – Looking back, I played for the Slam for – this is my fifth year at the Slam, but I did play for Kansas City one year. So I have uh, a special respect for Katie and then the rest of the Titans. Uh, so it's always a special game. But uh, the first game of the season they played that we did lose, uh, we didn't have any film uh, besides the film from the year before. So going into it, we were kind of just – not that we weren't prepared, but we didn't know what they were going to look like. Uh, so we took a tough loss in Kansas City. So needless to say, we did not let that go. So we knew that when they came here, we were going to be prepared and um, obviously more prepared than they were. 
you know. So, so Taylor, uh, the the fact that they played Dallas was that game film that you guys looked at against the Elite, or what, what kind of yes, game film uh, we guys, did you guys take a look at? Uh, we did see game film against Mile High Blaze, um, and then actually a few of us went and watched them play against Indy. And they did shut out Indy, uh, you know, 45 to zero. So that wasn't necessarily the most exciting game to watch. So we did focus more on Dallas and saw, because I noticed, uh, well, all of our coaches noticed too, in Dallas, they went ahead and used uh, Katie on defense as well. And so, I mean, Dallas was the biggest challenge they had all year. So we knew coming into the game that there's a possibility Katie would play some defense. And, and of course she did. Now, uh, Taylor, the, the fact that you guys are in the mix for the tier two playoff spot, was that something coming into the game? You guys knew this is, this was a game that you guys had to win just to stay within the realm. Yes. And we have a lot of rookies, uh, some that actually have never played competitive sports before. So they don't necessarily understand the whole playoff part of, of any sport. And so, um, they actually, didn't understand as much as the vets did, but they knew that our coach told us that, you know, no questions asked, this game has to be a win, you know. And um, some of us knew that first game would most likely be at home for playoffs, but we wanted to make sure that we we put a seal on it for the third round as well if possible. Trey, you got anything for Taylor? Hey, Taylor, um, tell me how you got involved with football like what made you get interested in playing the sport well I played soccer my entire life um I actually went to college playing soccer um but I, there was a high school football coach at my high school and um I went to Edwardsville High School in Illinois and um he actually I was his teacher's assistant and he left his email up on the computer and I saw an email about the St. Louis Slam and I asked him about it and he told me I was nosy and he told me that when I'm done playing college soccer that I could go ahead and, and come out for the team. And I was like, okay. But then um, during my college career, I actually saw a game. And I was like, oh, my God, there's no way. Like, I'm small. There's no way. I, I couldn't do it. And then when I graduated, the women's semi-pro team for soccer actually folded for a year. And I just decided, well, I have nothing else to do. So I called him up and asked him, could I play? And he's like, well, come out and, and practice and I did and literally that was the end of it ever since then I never went back to soccer unless it's for fun <laughs> so so tell me like so there's the the footwork aspect you always hear about that with soccer players you hear about that with you know players who transition to other sports like Tim Duncan and, and things of that nature and they always you know talked about how his footwork was impeccable how do you think your footwork that you learned in soccer helped you with on the football field, especially running the ball? I think it makes me a little more shifty because I'm not necessarily the fastest person in the world. Um, I'm quick in small spaces, but uh, I know that growing up a lot of parents put their kids in soccer to get their feet more coordinated um, in order to be good at other sports. And you're right. There are a lot of football players and uh, professional basketball players that, played soccer uh, at a very young age because you have to be pretty coordinated to to play soccer. So I think it helps me. I know that a lot of um, players, there's about three players on my team that played soccer, and, and they are all very, very talented athletes. We have one that she plays both sides of the ball, and she's just amazing. And she's actually our kicker as well. Uh, but she, I played soccer with her growing up, and she's all, an all-around athlete. 
Uh, but soccer is pretty much what molded her in to be the athlete that she is. Gotcha. So, so tell me, when it comes down to um, getting getting the rookies in, because you said your team, you know, you have some rookies out there, some that never played competitive sports at all. Tell me about how the recruiting process goes, and are you involved in that as far as, like, spreading the word and, and getting getting the girls to come out there and, and try out? Uh, yes, I am involved. Um, anytime I see anyone that's halfway athletic looking and not even athletics, I mean, because you need linemen too. So sometimes linemen don't always look athletic, but they could be one of the strongest, um, you know, people on your team. So um, I'm definitely involved in that process. Uh, we have a lot of uh, colleges and universities in a, in a small area in St. Louis, and we try to promote, you know, the team there. Uh, anytime we have a St. Louis, uh, like, flag league that we try to get out to, a lot of people are afraid of the contact initially. And then once they put on the pads, they realize that the pads protect you. So, I mean, it's not that bad. But it, it is hard to get women to want to dedicate the time and then sacrifice their bodies, you know, their family, their job sometimes. And, and then to also we pay to play. So it's not necessarily the most appealing thing to to promote, but we make it work. And, and I think a lot of rookies, once they get involved, they, I mean, it becomes an addiction. At least it became that way for me. And especially people who haven't been a part of a team, they find a family. And I know in St. Louis, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's a family before it is, is ever a team. And our coaches make that possible for us, you know, to be a part of something like that. Yeah, you know, it's the funniest thing because, you know, it was the same thing uh, with myself coming up. And I remember in high school we had guys that were coming out for the team that never played sports. And you could see the nervousness in their eyes as far as, is this going to hurt when I get hit? And the one thing I would always tell the guys was, you know what, it's, it's almost better to take your big hit off the top, like really quick. And that way you'll see what it feels like. And you'll see that, you know, it doesn't really hurt that bad. And as you said, once you get that first hit in and you get up and you survive and you walk away from it, you're like, oh, man, look, I can do this. So, I mean, I I Mm -hmm. definitely see that that mentality with, you know, the new recruits coming in. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, how you feel about the the local press covering covering the games. Because one of the biggest things with women's football is about spreading the word. And we would all like you to see, you know, the women's game start to become more of a national brand. Like you see um, national – you see women's hockey, you know, they're now getting TV sponsors. I think Dunkin' Donuts is one of their sponsors. How do you feel about um, how the game is starting to evolve? Because you see the game starting to spread not only throughout the country, but also worldwide now. Uh, yes, I agree. I went to the uh, Women's World Games uh, a couple of months ago, and it was amazing to see people from all over the world and, and women from countries that playing sports that the woman is not even allowed, but let alone football. Like, it made me realize, like, all the things, like, I take for granted on, you know, on my own soil in America. And uh, also in St. Louis, obviously, if you haven't noticed, we, we just lost the Rams, but um, – we don't really have a big support system for professional sports. Uh, I know we have a women's uh, basketball team here, which is a feeder for the WNBA, uh, and they are the St. Louis Surge, and they are wonderful. They've won a couple of national championships. But, I mean, I when we go to games, we don't – I mean, they have uh, some sponsors, but they don't have a lot of people at the games. 
and when I say that, I don't mean like it's not like an NBA game. They hold their games at a, a university gym, and the, you see a lot of like local people support, like family, friends, and then obviously we go support them like they support us. But when it comes to news coverage, uh, we don't get a lot of it. And um, it's, it's kind of disappointing because when you have people that come to the game, they actually like it and enjoy it, and they'll say that. They're like, we didn't realize it was like this. And they, they almost had a vision like it was going to be like powder puff or, I mean, I know I get the whole, oh, is this the lingerie? Do you guys wear, do you guys wear lingeries? Or we're like, nope, it's full coverage and it's, it's like NFL rules. And Yeah, I, I went to my first game this year. Uh, you know, I went to go see uh, Dallas Elite, um, you know, play the D.C. Divas. And I, I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I had I had my preconceived notions. I was, you know, I was kind of looking to say, okay, I don't think it's going to be that fundamental. I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, just looking at the fundamentals and how they play the game, the speed in which they play it with, um, you know, the precision that they play with, and, and not only that, but the ferocity. I think one of the things that a lot of people – would like to see is more emotion, the more the most ferocity in it. And one thing is that every woman's game I've seen now is, is I see a lot of ferocity, a lot of you know mm-hmm. we want to win this game, and you see that. So do you have that? Is that how your team plays as well? Uh, it is. And our coaches, uh, we have we actually only have two coaches on our team and, and compared to many WFA teams, that's not very many. And I know when I first started playing slam about six years ago, uh, there was about five or six coaches. Now we're down to two and uh, they 100% put us in the the position to succeed. And they always tell us like, do what's best for the team. So put the team first. And when you decide to make a decision, whether it's okay, I don't want to do this workout, but I need to, or, you know, I'd rather eat this, you know, big fat juicy burger versus this turkey sandwich, like, you know, do what's best for the team. And so uh, we, we have dog tags, all of us on our team. And, and it's supposed to be kind of a reminder of, you know, during the season, like I do what's best for the team. And, and the only way that you're going to win a championship is, is if you have that mindset. Gotcha. Gotcha. I appreciate it, Taylor. All right. Taylor, uh, kind of like a, a year off, you went to Kansas City, then you come back, and this team has historically done well in terms of a playoff picture, in terms of history. So it seems like this year you guys have, you know, I wouldn't say surprised that, that that's happened, but it just seems like uh, within the team realm of scope, within the bigger picture of the WFA, it looks like you guys are on the map again. Is that is that fair to say at this point? Uh, I believe that's fair to say. And, you know, we took a year off to rebuild. Um, There was about five of us that did go to Kansas City. But uh, during that time, while we were still, you know, we didn't move there. We still lived in St. Louis. So while we were still playing for Kansas City during the week, we were trying to continue to build our team in St. Louis. And, you know, Kansas City was, oh, they opened their arms to us. They did everything possible to make us comfortable, and they were great. And they knew that you know, if we could have an, another uh, St. Louis team, that they would do anything to help us get there too. They were very supportive of that rebuilding year. And so they're happy to have us back. You know, they don't want to travel 10 hours to play another team. You know what I mean? And and it's always a great competition when we play each other. So they were happy to see us, you know, build another team. And, 
the first year back last year, we actually um, made it to the second round. We did lose to Dallas, but, of course, that's Dallas, you know, and um, they're a wonderful organization. OJ does a great job with them. And, uh, you know, we went down there with 17, and, and we went ahead and, and battled, and we went, we came up, you know, back with a loss. But it was it was – it was a good experience, especially for the rookies, because last year we did have a lot of rookies, probably about, you know, 70% of our team was rookies. Now the retention aspect, as Troy was mentioning, uh, at what point is it, is it more turnover for you guys? Has it been historically turnover where everybody just assumes the dues are too much or, you know, it's obviously a financial strain in some instances, depending on which market you're in and what area you're in. But is that, is that usually the case right now? Is this the fact that some people – We'll try it out for the year and then kind of decide not to commit any longer for it. Uh, yes, that's that's very true. Uh, and also, I know when I first joined, uh, that it was the year after they won the championship, uh, their first year in the WFA, and in 2009, and probably about 10 to 15 of the vets that were on that championship team uh, played in 2010. But after that, that was their last year. So losing that many veterans is definitely going to change the dynamic of a team, especially when those veterans are pretty much all powerhouses. So we did have a transition there. And then we had a transition with, you know, having a quarterback versus making someone into a quarterback that didn't really want to be a quarterback, but did what's best for the team. But it, it was, it's definitely retention. It's hard to get people to number one, come out, but then to stay, to continue to give and give and give, uh, because unlike the men's league, we we don't get paid. So everything we do is is literally the lo- for the love of the game. Now, Taylor, uh, as a talented athlete that you are, and an amazing woman, um, have you thought of the the prospect of going back to soccer, given the professional uh, league that's actually going around at this point, or is this something that you just have given up on? probably went ahead and closed that chapter. I have a few friends that play overseas, one in Germany, one in Sweden, and I have a couple that play here in the United States. And soccer is a whole different shape that you have to be in. Endurance level, everything is different. Uh, I know after my first year of football, I went and played an alumni game, and I thought I was going to die. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is – I'm in this whole – you know, football six, football six seconds at a time, you know, and then you get a break. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Calls a play, and then you get – Six more seconds. So soccer is 90 yeah, minutes yeah. nonstop running. So um, I play and pick up leads. I do tournaments around here um, during the holidays, and I have fun with it. But um, it, it will always be my first love. But my, one of my favorite things about football is that since I haven't played it since I was little, I get a chance to learn something new about it every time I play. And then something new nice. about myself, you know. Sure. That makes sense. Um, you, you know, the, the aspect of where you guys are at right now, uh, your quarterback. Let's talk about your quarterback and your receiving core. In the sense, was was that something? I I don't have the details on the game yet, but tell us a little bit about the receiving core you have. From what I can tell, uh, you know, and I know the WFA stats are not that current. It's probably a five game. It's current, but you're looking at Jamie uh, at a 105 rating, which is pretty impressive. 14 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He's only thrown two interceptions so far. Uh, yourself at uh, 50 carries, 253, and uh, an average of a first down almost on every carry, which is very impressive. Um, and then you also have your receiving core, which is um, Kiona Smith and Kaylee uh, Netswith, 
uh, Netswit, if I'm Nathan. pronouncing yep. it right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nicely. So tell us a little bit about, yeah, tell us a little bit about the core, the the the, the slam core right now, and how that's been able to uh, help you guys out because it looks like you guys have a pretty pretty balanced attack. Uh, we do. Jamie is a rookie. She does play in the St. Louis area flag league. She was actually a receiver. Um, so when she came to the team, I think the plan for her was to be a receiver. And because our quarterback was actually Jelani Kelly, who is uh, one of our starting linebackers. And Jelani was getting her master's about three hours away. So she could only come to practice on the weekends. So Jamie continued to get reps at quarterback. And finally, our offensive coordinator was like, well, you know what? Um, I think we're going to make her our quarterback. And then she was cool with it. And Jelani was cool with it because Jelani secretly is, is a linebacker at heart. Didn't really want, you know, she enjoys quarterback and she'll do it for the team, but she'd rather be on defense. So Jamie is very, very smart, um, very knowledgeable of the game. Uh, she wants to learn and she is receptive and she does not ever focus on what she can't do just on what she can. And I think that is 100% um, one of the best things about a quarterback, you know, to have for a team. And then I know, Key and Kaylee, Kiana, uh, she is, uh, I think this is her third or fourth year. Uh, She also plays defense and is really good at corner. And then Kaylee is the one I told you I played soccer with growing up. She's just an all-around athlete. Uh, She plays safety and she is also a receiver. And they are both ridiculously fast. Uh, They, I mean, wherever Jamie puts the ball, they're going to, even if it's not the prettiest ball, uh, they'll make it look pretty. They'll make Jamie look good, and um, they work hard um, on and off the field. And then we, we've added a uh, – we have another rookie uh, – a rookie receiver who is um, – she ran track at UNC. So she is fast – one of the fastest people on our team, and she's also a receiver. So we have a nice, a nice offensive set, and we do run the ball, but uh, we also throw. So in the past, probably four years we've only really had the running game to look to so a lot of teams knew that about us and so now that we have a quarterback that can throw and then is able to you know do the uh the run game as well it works out for us and and is definitely one of the best things about having rookies that don't know anything about football but they're willing to learn and they're receptive and so my our coaches love it they always tell us they coach high school boys football and they always tell us that it's so much easier to coach men than it is their boys because we listen and we we don't act like we know everything <laughs> now you have you said jelani would prefer to hit and um, and do be an assaulter versus a quarterback that's on troy's mm-hmm. list right there linebacker mentality so i'm just, i, I mm-hmm. think she made the right call study be very uh very uh healthy doesn't get knocked down but she can actually be physical so uh 57 tackles mm-hmm. is what i see registered so uh sort yes. of a beast right troy <laughs> 57 tackles wow um yeah she's so she's, and then you have she's you have she brooklyn so hard you have brooklyn and kaylee mm-hmm. right on top of the list so mm-hmm. it's pretty vulnerable pretty good defense right there if you want if you start looking at numbers as well as uh raven williams and you got uh alana fields um so yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a good good aspect to have when you have three pass rushers with some very athletic capabilities, and then obviously the stats mm-hmm. show that they're doing that they're getting through. Anybody got the kit at the Sours this weekend? 
Oh, yeah. Um, actually, I know Raven got her twice. Um, Jelani got to her a couple times, and then so did Brooklyn. I know that they struggled uh, having all three of, you know, Alana is, well, I will say Brooklyn and Raven and Alana, um, our coaches always say you have to be a little off to play defense. And, and when I say all three of them are just a little off, they really are. And so um, I know that Alana, she actually didn't even get to live here until April because she was in Pittsburgh getting her PhD. So she would come here on the weekends and play. So, I mean, just the dedication she gives to our team um, on and off the field is, is 100%. I mean, it's just one. I mean, it's great. I, I couldn't ask for a better teammate. And, you know, Brooklyn is – She's a second year, but she was a rookie last year, and she she's crazy. She whatever our coach tells her to do, she will do 100%. And you know, she's only I would I would maybe give her 130 pounds soaking wet. Um, and she ran track at St. Louis University actually. So wow, um, I mean they're hard hitters, and it's crazy because Brooklyn hits harder than some of the big people on our team. And I'm looking at her like, how is this possible? But like our coach said, you know, um, you got to be a little off to play defense. And and actually, our defensive unit is probably if you had to weigh you know them on a scale is definitely stronger than our offensive unit. I would say that. Now, uh, Taylor, looking at the schedule, uh, you guys basically—I don't know if this is a good thing—you guys get really a bye in the last week of the season, so you yeah. know to determine who where you're going to go. So that's restful time, an aspect at this point. So what what's your feeling here? Are you going to Texas? I mean, where where are you headed at this point based on the scenarios that were maybe given to you guys? Do we know at this point where you're well, headed? Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, when they released the, um, the bracket, it's looking like since there's only two teams in our Midwest bracket, it's just us in Houston Power. Um, in the bracket, it says that on, um, I believe, what is it, June 11th is supposed to be the first round? Um, yes. It's supposed, it's supposed to be the second team and the third team. Well, there is no second and third. There's only Houston and us. So I believe from what I've gathered is that uh, both Houston and us will both get a bye and we'll see each other in the second round. And also that Houston is scheduled to travel to us. But I don't – I mean, nothing's been finalized. But looking at the ratings and everything else, I'm pretty sure Houston will be making the trip to St. Louis. So you're looking at a home uh, a home uh, benefit for you guys because you don't have to travel and all the expenses that come with that with the playoffs. So um, mm-hmm. is, is is the goal this year to win it all? I mean, obviously every year it's to win, but this is you're, it looks to me like you have a a good solid squad. Even though you got rookies, like you said, you have a lot of folks that have bought into you know the fact that you know we got to we got to get ourselves right because you get a bye week before the playoffs. I mean, that's just so beneficial, number one. But mm-hmm. number two, uh, if you got to host a game, that's even a bonus because you don't have to travel. You're like at home. You should be able to have that, right. that whole mindset where we own this. You know what I mean? It's, it's, us, it's for mm-hmm. us to lose. Not give anything away from Houston because, you know, obviously there's a lot of things that can happen. But, but it looks like you guys are ready. That's what I'm trying to say because the surprise – of this year was just the fact that you guys were right neck and neck. And if I look at the, if I look at the schedule based on what you guys uh, had on in terms of wins and losses, I think you guys are at four, four, two, right? Four wins, two losses. Yes, sir. 
Yeah, and so you guys, you know, Kansas City being in Tier 1, that just puts you guys basically at the top. So you guys have been scoring really good. I mean, 193 to 106. Uh, your home record's 2-1, and one, uh, you know, so – on a three-game winning streak, I mean, you, you, your, your fans can't ask for more than that. I mean, this is like run the table with two wins, and you guys are literally in for the national championship. Um, Taylor, the, the tier system, do you think this is more – we talked about it all year, and I've talked to Neil and other folks in, in, you know, in the WFA. Uh, you're a player. Do you feel this is, a, this is the, best, the best way to go forward with the game? Because you're facing – let's say you face Kansas City, which is tier one. But you can gauge uh, a little bit on your team, and then maybe in, an, in a week or two you end up facing a Tier 3, which gives you somewhat of an advantage in some ways, but also uh, the needed workout or, or changes to make in case you know, your game falls off a little bit. So do you think that the fluctuation of the schedule between playing different tiers is beneficial? I know the, reg- the regional thing is always going to be a factor with the cost of money, but, but overall, I mean, just like the way it's set up this year where you have – you know, the top six teams in, in the nation are going to be, the, you know, fighting for the first tier. And then you guys are in the mix in tier two, for example. So is, is it, do you think it's more fair this way and more balanced? Um, I'm kind of in the middle. Um, at first I was kind of disappointed uh, that we are in tier two, but at the same time I understood that, um, you know, they, they base it on roster size, and obviously um, we took that year off to rebuild. And, you know, I know um, our coaches have a lot to say, and then obviously the league has a lot to say. But I also know that it gives – I know some people don't necessarily agree with this because they feel like it's like, okay, everyone gets an, an, a, medal, a, a medal award kind of thing. But how I look at it is, I mean, college is that way. You have Division One, you have Division Two, you have Division Three, um, you have NAI, and, and I played D1 soccer, and then I also played NAI, and they're a huge difference, but I could appreciate that it gives everyone a chance to be a part of something, um, because you have Tier 3 teams that may never make it to a championship, and then how is it possible to rebuild? Uh, because people would be lying if they said that, you know, they don't pay attention to the fact when people win national championships. Like when the slam won in 2009, they had 27 rookies the next year. Of course, everyone wants to be a part of a championship team, you know? So I think that it will help teams rebuild. It will help teams want to be a part of something. It gives teams a chance to play teams that are more on the same level, maybe coaching wise, maybe at player, the advancement or even the uh, location, different things. I mean, it gave us a chance to play Indy again. We haven't played Indy probably about five years, I think. So it gives you also a chance to see other teams that you haven't seen, you know, in the past. So I, I, I'm not against it. Um, I think that this year will kind of let us see um, how it turns out. Maybe, you know, the championship weekend, we'll see how everything turns out. Playoffs, you'll see how everything turns out. Um, but, I mean, really, it, I don't think it changed much for – playoff when it comes to distance because I mean if Houston has to come there here we have to go there that's still a pretty far travel and last year we went to we went to Dallas and played Dallas you know and so we are still going to Texas or someone's still coming here so I don't necessarily think that uh, you know for the playoff it changes that much but I do think it, it will give teams a chance to rebuild and have a chance maybe to win a championship at different levels yeah, and you guys are basically top the top squad. I mean, if you start looking at Massey ratings, 
and you break down the tiers, uh, you guys are basically the favorites. So I'm, I'm you know, kind of happy that you guys are in the position you guys are. You guys get a bye before the playoffs. You're going to get a home. Uh, you're going to host a home game at this point. Um, so, you know, congratulations to you guys, to you, uh, the coaching staff, the, you know, the talented players that you guys brought on to the roster this year. Uh, I think it's, you know, it, it just shows that you guys put in a lot of work. Um, you know, your winning streak is, is just something to com- be commendable about. And so, um, I mean, I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you besides social media and here and there, and I know you were moving before then um, and things like that. So um, I, I really appreciate you making the time today to come in and, and uh, chat with us about the, the picture in the WFA. And we're looking forward to the slam, you know, going all the way because it just looks like this is your guys' year. Yeah, like you said, I mean, it's it's ironic that you said that it's ours to lose because our coach tells us that, like, you know. Um, but he, he said that every year I play, but – he said, like, you know, a championship is yours to lose. It's there for you. Um, and the only reason that you wouldn't get it is because you chose not to. So, I mean, I think having that mentality, uh, the rookies are, you know, playing against Kansas City this weekend, that win, um, being, everyone being on the same page, because I know, you know, the first, first couple games of the season uh, weren't necessarily the smoothest, um, especially our two losses, but two, two very good teams, obviously, Kansas City and Chicago. But um, the rookies – uh, and the vets, we're, we're all, we were all finally on the same page on Saturday, and um, it was great. It was really great. So I really appreciate uh, you taking the time uh, to talk to me and about my team. Sure, yeah. And um, have you settled in already, Taylor? Is it uh, the move? I know you guys – I know you were moving and stuff. Is it – you pretty much settled in now on the move? Yeah, I'm settled in. Great. So – I will be in touch with you, obviously, uh, uh, regarding the project, and, and I really want to appreciate you uh, wanting to support the project and bring the awareness, uh, you know, that uh, women play American football, not just in the States, but, you know, internationally as well. So uh, it's going to be – it's athletes like you that are willing to spread the word that obviously makes it more of a global aspect of it and make people realize that, uh, you know, girls and women do play American football. So I uh, really yeah, appreciate it. Um, Oh, and you're good. That's correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and very, uh, as the slogan would say, no joke, no joke football. Um, no joke so football. So, Taylor, the the aspect of the game, the tiers, the playoffs, a lot of excitement in St. Louis at this point, and you guys have gotten coverage on Arch City Sports, so we want to just give them a shout-out too because they've been putting out some good uh, profiles on you guys' uh, game recaps and stuff like that that we can – you know, share on social media and do that stuff too. So there are some people that are covering you and they do, they do yes. a, a good effort they, to do that. And, you know, they do. And we have a, their, their photographer, Mick, he goes by Nick light and he, they do all of that for free, you know? So we are 100% grateful for that. Yeah. And it's been fantastic to have coverage. And especially now that you guys are in the mix in the playoffs, it's always nice to have that. So you can share on, uh, you know, even on, even pictures is impactful to show people that obviously you, you know, you're a relevant team and you're playing good ball and then you're in the city and people rec- recognize that. Um, say hi to, uh, say hi to the girls for us, your teammates, all uh, the receiving core uh, and everybody there and tell them that, you know, we're very happy to have you guys spotlighted and up front and center in the WFA picture in terms of the playoffs and going forward. So we hope the next time we chat with the, in a couple of weeks, sir, hopefully we're chatting at the fact that you guys have uh, put a championship on the line already. Yeah. I, I look forward to it. 
All right, Taylor, can you let the fans know uh, where they can find you on social media, where they can get tickets to the Slam, and your game's going to be in, what, uh, two weeks? Is it two weeks? You get a buy uh, this week, and then Houston comes in? Well, actually, I don't think – or our game won't be until June 25th is what I'm hearing. Okay. So we have, so, we have quite some time. Now, can you let everybody know where they can go get tickets so they can be there live on the 25th to see you guys uh, uh, in the playoff mode? Uh, yes. Um, the website is www.stlslamfootball.com, um, and there will be uh, you know, user-friendly links on there to explain um, how to get tickets. Or I know if, if anything is ever broadcasted live, uh, the links will be placed on there. And then there is a St. Louis Slam uh, football page as well on Facebook. All right. So, Taylor, thank you again for making the time. I hope you have a great evening, and we appreciate you. Uh, and hopefully the everything goes well and the Slam w, WFA Tier 2 champions for 2016. That's what we're hoping for. So I appreciate your time. Thanks, Oh, Sarah. no problem. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So there you go, Troy. Uh, probably one of the best running backs in the nation. I mean, she is so talented. Uh, she's she played for Kansas City. She's played alongside Katie Sowers as well, uh, and then obviously she's from St. Louis, and she's done fantastic. I mean, if you've seen her on the field, um, you know, just a just a bullet. And she like to her credit, she doesn't have you know she's not a big big uh, person, but she obviously has a big heart. And as a running back, that's what you need. You know, speed. A little bit of the edges and yards. She's averaging 5.1 yards a carry. That's like almost a that's almost a first down per carry. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know, she was alluding uh, to her quickness and, and definitely is an asset. I mean, that's why you know we started talking about the soccer background and the footwork always comes in the in, in the play with running backs. It's one of the, the the most overlooked aspects of playing the position. So um, that that I believe that really attributes to her success right now of, of how she's moving the chains like that and being you know the quick feet. So now we we have let's just recap for her the slam at this point uh, based on Neil's predictions here we are looking at them being seated uh, number one in the Midwest region the playoff rankings in the East Eastern Conference basically are set. So the WFA uh, announcing at this point uh, the WFA 2 format will be exactly like the WFA 1 top-tier format, which uh, teams out on the East Coast will travel basically to uh, certain places. So there's going to be some travel cost concerns for some teams for fundraising coming up in the next two or three weeks, uh, unlike the WFA, which has only has one Southern club, which is Phoenix that has to deal with it. Um, so for the remainder – of the seedings in WFA 2, in terms of the East, um, you're looking at basically the quarterfinals with the bye comes down to Tampa and Alabama. Alabama's been hot all year. The, the Inferno in Tampa has been hot all year. The undefeated Inferno, two-slotted. Uh, they will take on, obviously, uh, you know, the goal is to take on Alabama at this point. But Alabama has been charging of late. Uh, they beat Atlanta 34-18, to which is a Tier 1 team. Uh, that's their lone, you know, their their lone uh, victory at this point in the season. That probably keeps them number three if if Tampa somehow doesn't make it to the finals. So a lot of little logistics. You can go to neilrosenthal.com, neilrosenthal.com, and he's got the 2016 women's uh, football playoff preview. So you can find it there. 
WFA um, Tier 1, Tier 2, and Tier 3 scenarios. So it's a good read, and we'll stay on top of it as well. So, uh, Troy, the, the NFL, uh, the Pro Bowl is going from Hawaii to Orlando in 2017. Um, if I was a player, I think Hawaii and Orlando is just two different worlds. Uh, I don't know. I, you know what I mean? It's just a, let me let me put out the word right now. That bite. Oh, that just bite. Uh, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. How can you how can you go, hey, by the way, we're taking Hawaii away from you and we're just gonna put you in Florida. What? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah not to mention Orlando. I mean if it was Miami then okay, but Orlando. I mean you got Disney World, but that's for your kids. So I I don't understand the move. Um, the, the, I thought the NFL, their whole point of doing that was to draw interest players to play in the game, but I'm not sure that's going to help. I mean, but, but I guess the one thing is it could do is draw more stateside interest as far as like traveling to the game. But I know, you know, just being who I am, I'm never going to travel to go see the Pro Bowl. I just, it's probably not going to happen unless someone give me free tickets, but just to, to make it in Orlando, it just made it even worse. So the moves, uh, Troy, Troy, are we doing, we're going to go social media, thumbs up, thumbs down. And we're going to start this segment this week and going forward, we'll have one segment of thumbs up. So do we give it a thumbs down or a thumbs oh, up? Yeah. yeah. I wish I had four hands. Well, I, I think it was more of a Disney move anyways. I think it's more of a Disney yeah. move with ABC, ESPN, and all that yeah. being in, in coupled with everything. Uh, maybe they're suffering at the gate, and they just think this is more of a something to draw more fans to the the amusement parks or something like that. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's, that would be the business sense of it. Yeah, for sure. So um, I heard that Carson Wentz, somehow is grasping the Philadelphia offense way faster than Sam Bradford would. Surprise, surprise, are we? Uh, I am surprised. I was, you know, thinking to myself, like, okay, um, you know, they would have Carson Wentz kind of just come along slowly. And it doesn't mean he's not going to be brought along slowly. I mean, you know, you hear people saying he's grasping the offense. Um so you, you would think a veteran like Sam Bradford would be out there. But I think, you know, the, the one thing that really – as soon as I read the, 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 the headline, the one thing that really, I guess, made me laugh was who put that out there? Is it Was it one of the players? Was it one of the coaching staff? I mean, who put that – like, how do you quantify that? And who was the one who would say that? Because, you know, you're in a quarterback meeting. And so if the quarterback is coming in and he's he's grasping what he's saying, so who went to the media and said that? That's what I would like to know. To me, I think it's hilarious. Number one, I hate the Philadelphia Eagles. So I would just like to have all kind of discord and dysfunction all throughout that locker room if I could have my choice up. But just I would like to know yeah. like how that story even got out there like that. But it's an interesting story to say the least because it's not like – I mean, Carson Wentz was, came out being, you know, known as a, a smart guy, a cerebral quarterback, he's got all the physical tools. So I'm not I'm not too surprised about it. I'm just surprised that it came out the way that it did. And I apologize for bringing it up. And I know it's strings of court for you, so I'm really sorry about that. 
I just brought it up because I think this could be the arch enemy for you for a little while, the quarterback. Oh, yeah. So if he's grasping oh, the op- yeah. if he's grasping the offense pretty well, that could be a, a scare for Washington. I'm just just thought I'd bring that up. Well, I mean, listen, if this guy pans out the way they think he is, I mean, yeah, he's gonna be scared. I mean, just I mean, the guy's six four. He can, you know, he can make all the throws. He's a the physical kid. You know, I I saw uh, a couple of games that he played in the uh, Division Two Championship games. I mean, he's a player. There's no doubt about that. But you know, I want to see him out there when the bullets are firing and and things like that. Because I mean, you know, we all look real good out there in shorts. You know, I mean, look, I look like an NFL player right now in shorts. But if I got out there, I mean, I don't know how long I would last. Probably like maybe one or two plays, maybe one and a half, you know, something like that. So, you know, I want to see what happens when the bullets fly. But I, it's just an interesting story, to say the least, for me. Now, the other story we have is um, Walter Thurman's uh, – he had a good breakout uh, season in, at safety, and all of a sudden, you know, he was uh, basically – pondering retirement and all of a sudden in March it was pondering retirement. Now we have confirmed that he's obviously going to retire. He's going to take his short-term earnings in six years and just go away. Uh, and he had some issues with health, uh, torn pectoral muscle. Uh, he was on the uh, injured reserve list. He started uh, 16 games for the Eagles in 2015. Uh, so he was, you know, how do you think this is kind of like the same scenario with the, with the uh, San Francisco players. So it's either you have to make a decision at this point in your career as an NFL player. Now it's kind of like the retirement age is, is getting shorter and shorter. It's like, you're not even going 10 years now. Now we're looking at, you know, between five and seven, uh, four to six is really the gauge. Is it because they're getting more money up front that now they can turn around and just, if you're a conservative player and you're, and you're wise about how you do your investments, you're able to walk away a lot sooner. Is, is, is that what I'm reading into this? I think so, but I think the, uh, one of the biggest things that has to do with it is, is the prominence of the CTE and the, and the concussions. And, and, and players are not are not stupid. You know, they know what the shelf life is. And not to mention, they're in locker rooms with guys who are holding on to a thread, you know, a defensive lineman who may be 35 years old, and they see – you know, this guy's struggling just to, you know, get out of bed sometimes or and show up and, you know, has to, you know, do all kind of things just to get him prepared to play this game. And, you know, because maybe he just needs the money or maybe he just loves the game. But when players who, as you said, you know, get a lot of money up front and then they invest well, which is what Walter Thurman did, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, they came out that he's, he's done well as far as, like, establishing it you know, his businesses and and things of that nature. So he doesn't really need to play as far as what's in his mind. You're going to see a lot more of that. Um, But the the thing is, is that the line to replace him is out the door. I mean, it's around the block. So there's going to be a lot of people who want to vie for that position and want to play. And, you know, it's not going to be any shortage of players who want to play. I mean, that, that farm system of college football that supplies the NFL it's not going anywhere. So a lot of people are, you know, worried that the, that the game is going to start falling back. I don't think so. I mean, because you, you, there's plenty of guys out there who would kill to be in his position, and, and now they will be out there because he's retiring. 
Yeah, and you still got international. You take a look at the international scene. I was talking to a, uh, the uh, American Football Review folks over at American Football Review, uh, and they were telling me there's so many hungry uh, European players that want to come to the States, you know, from the German leagues, the Austrian leagues, the, the British leagues. Everybody in Europe wants to get to the opportunity at some point to get on an NFL roster. So, yeah, you, like I said, the talent pool isn't just in college, but there's obviously uh, international players on in, in certain leagues overseas that still want to be able to come to the spotlight of being on an NFL roster. So that's uh, – but I think it's wise for him making sure that, you know, he's weighing his options between long-term health issues and uh, short-term gain in terms of money. And, if you know, it's a lot of money. If you, may, if you get a drafted within a three-year period – and you make twelve million or fifteen million or twenty six million, if you manage twenty six million correctly, you're pretty much set for a long time. And it's and if you go frugal, as my neighbor would say, you're set for way a long time. You're 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 set forever. Uh and if you invest correctly and, and put your money where things are, are right, um and invest in businesses that obviously are gonna inc- uh incur some revenue for you as well on a return then, you know, not, not a lot of guys are in that same mindset. And we've seen a lot of horrible stories in the past where, you know, people, you know, play for a long time, but they have nothing to show for it in the end. They're still crippled and out of place. And, and so it's a sad story. So we have to, I, I'd have to applaud him for uh, making the right decision now and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm through, I'm, I'm moving on. I think that's a good thing in general. And I think a lot more players are going to go that route at some point now. Definitely agree with that. So, uh, Troy, uh, let's go LFL Legends Football League uh, Week 7. Uh, that happened at the Dr. Pepper Arena in Frisco, Texas. Um, and the uh, LFL Network on johnmdavis.wix.com, NFL Network. This is our spotlight. Uh, Austin Acoustics taking on the Dallas Desire. Uh, your first thoughts, Troy, of Dallas at this point before we go into the whole recap. What did you think of Dallas? They played – you saw them against the Temptation, and they put up a good fight against the Temptation. They ended up losing 33-32. to 32. Uh, I was very impressed with Courtney White of Dallas. Uh, Michelle Angel uh, just seems to be emerging. You know, she's, she's balancing the offense. She's playing very good. She's in control. She's, she, she looks confident. Um, and then you had Jay Randall as well as being a factor. So – what did you think of Dallas at this point uh, before we go into this huge thing? Uh, Dallas against uh, t- uh, Temptation was a starting point for them, and they, they went neck and neck with uh, Coach Tui and the Temptation. Well, let's let's put this in perspective, okay? Um, now, I know Courtney White was the the MVP of the game, but the the player who moves the needle for Dallas is none other than Victoria Thomas. I mean, that is one physical woman. I mean, I've she the world of beast. Troy, yes. the world of beast. Yeah, <laughs> the world of beast. She is an absolute beast, man. I mean, I've never seen. I mean, she just. It was so many plays that I'm just. I'm looking at her, and she's just just, just flinging offensive linemen around. I mean, it was one play. She just absolutely pancaked the center. And it was just, I, she's she's about as physical as you 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 can you can think about. So 
going back Troy, to Troy, I had a I had a tweet Troy, I had a tweet saying that uh I don't want to offend the uh, the girls in Austin but uh, the the acoustic were basically be uh, being treated like rag dolls by the desire the whole game. <laughs> yeah. and that's, so. that's 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 a great analogy because I mean that's exactly what happened. And and then going back to the L.A. game, uh, Dallas was in control of that game until Victoria Thomas went out. And so what happened that's, after that? That's was, correct. Right. Good yeah. obs- good so observation. L.A. started to come back, and then they ended up winning that game, and it's because she was hurt. Now, that team follows her her mantra. She is about as physical as it gets, and she sets the tone for that entire squad. And so when she's out there, and, that uh, you know, everyone else on that team is, is physical as well, you know, but she sets the tone for that team. And uh, overall, it's just, they just out-muscle them. I mean, any short yardage situation that you saw out there, uh, they lined up in a bunch formation, and they just plowed right over them. And, you know, to Austin's credit, they're scrappy. They're just not very big, you know. I mean, like you, you play like Selena Fudge. I mean, she, in the first quarter, she was everywhere. She was everywhere. I mean, you know. Now, I got to give that. I got to give props to her. She was yeah. just literally wrapping anything that was moving on Dallas and hanging yeah. on by a straw. But you know what? Her dedication. Like, her vision and her wraparounds were on point. I mean, you got to give yeah. her credit. Selena Fudge, I she, mean, just top notch. She came into that game with the mentality because she knew who she was going against. She knew, you know, there were, Dallas was a bigger physical team. She knew Victoria Thomas would be getting the ball out of the backfield a few times. And then that first quarter, Victoria Thomas went streaking up the middle. And that little girl, <laughs> Selena Fudge, she threw everything she had into her. And I just – I stood up. I was like – I just started screaming. I was like, so that's football. That's football right that there. That is. I mean, she, yeah. she's like, you know, Selena's like, awesome. she's like Tyra Matthew. She's like Tyra Matthew, you know, the honey badger. I mean, just, you know, he's not the oh, biggest yeah. guy in the world, but that guy is about as tough as it gets. He's tenacious. He goes after it. You see the one-hand interception that she had in the back of the end zone. I've never seen that. Oh, yeah. Uh, that in, was in a beautiful. Game. That was so Man, that awesome. was so awesome. That was so, so awesome. I, I, there, you have to replay it. I had to replay yeah, that man. one. Uh, you know, slow it, Matt, and slow it down again. It's on a replay. Um, yeah. First quarter, uh, I would say that I I don't want to name this this you know this backfield, but let's just go with the Texas two step. You had uh, Victoria Thomas, and then you had Sunshine Yuli, and so I don't know if you you know I, I don't want to disrespect these girls, but. Like you said, if you're standing across from them, uh, you know that it's it's like a Texas tornado coming at you. You're it's going to yeah. take a lot to stop yeah, it's them. Not, it's not. And, and these it's not guys, these girls. No, no, these two backs are are, are they they are muscle. They are not anything but muscle, and they got muscle, and uh, they're tough. And you can see once they get going on a two step uh, approach going forward. It is a freight train. So, you know, hold on to your hat, you know, jaws lined up. And, um, you know, hats off to Selena. I mean, like like we were talking about, she was hanging on wherever she can put oh, the yeah. stop on them. And uh, she did an awesome job. If anybody should have been MVP of that game, it should have been her. Because <laughs> she made yeah. such an impact on the on the Austin side. So uh, A lot of hard. But what did, you think of, what did you think of the, let's just put the, the game in perspective, pretty balanced offense. Dallas, the Dallas coach, the bat, 
uh, the, he already knew. Like you're, to your point, the the first couple series, it was he can get three or four yards, can get a first down. Um, you know, it took uh, I think uh, they go up six zero in the in the in the very beginning, and he already knew right off the bat when he could score at easily at will. He he didn't have to throw, but you know he did balance it a little bit. But the majority of the of the game plan was, was just just to pound it because they couldn't stop him. So they they just decided to pound him. Yeah, I mean, and but also what they what, what looked like they were doing out there was still giving Michelle Angel some reps. You know, she's she's still a young player, but she is definitely up and coming. And and to watch her get some reps out there, you got to still throw the ball around. She's tough as nails too. I mean, how many times did you see her run into a pile? and still just, you know, chopping her feet and moving forward and, and fighting for every yard and scrapping. And you, you, watching her do that, you know, you, you got to look at that and say, you know, that's your quarterback. That's a tough per- That's a tough player. And that's the kind of guy, that's the kind of player that you want to lead your team. And just to watch her out there was, was great also. And then on the other side, you had to Shea Winfrey, who I understood what their game plan was. You kind of wanted to spread out the bigger physical team but I, I don't know if they took into account Dallas still had – even though they're big, they're athletes. These girls can run. And there was so many times where they would try to outflank them and throw the ball to the outside. And, you know, Victoria Thomas ended up, you know, chasing them down. And, you know, uh, man, it, it was it, it was lights out, the, the, the team speed that, that that Dallas squad has. And you know, to Austin, they just they just weren't they don't have enough athletes to keep up with that. They don't they weren't big enough. They were physical and they're gutsy, and they didn't back down. But they felt they just flat out got out muscled. The one thing I under the one thing I took away from Austin's game plan was they understood how to beat Dallas, but they somehow could not. The quarterback, I think, I think uh, Tache is still Tichet in transition in terms of evolving. I think she's evolving. She was taking yeah, too much time. The play is, you know, two seconds, and you got to you got to throw that ball in the end zone. You know, they had opportunities well, yeah. in the end zone to to take advantage of uh, of Dallas's uh, you know upfront monster rush, and they didn't. They either dropped the balls, they were thrown to 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 the side too quickly. She was at one point or another during the game. I just I saw her just. Literally, and why don't you just throw it to the stands instead of trying to throw it into a tight zone? You know what I mean? At some point, you yeah. got to give up on the play. Yeah, and, and you know, Tashay Winfrey. I mean, she she's she has to get a learning curve on. She made a lot of mistakes out there, and you know, she did put a lot of air under the ball. You know, she's floating balls up there and into the crowd. Yep. To, you know, to your point. Yep. And you just you just can't do that as a quarterback. And and another thing that you brought up is the one thing you can't do is you can't hold on to the ball too long. Now, to Dallas's credit, they their coverage downfield was awesome. I mean, they were they were awesome. Their front line got so much pressure on her, you know. So she was on the run most of the day, but you still have to, you know, and, and as a coach, you have to game plan a little bit better, make some quick hitting plays, um, run the ball a little bit more. Uh, it's not like they couldn't have ran the ball. I mean, but they just, I mean. That Dallas team is about as physical as it gets. It's it's hard to not walk away from, it. and they they're so physical. They started hurting each other. I mean, <laughs> I mean, their players yeah. started going down, yeah. and all they we did had two was players out, more yeah. physical players. 
You know, yeah. all they bought it was they, they're, more they're playing, players to come out there. They're, they're playing so aggressive to the ball that it, it, you, it showed aggressive to the ball. They were going. I saw that one yeah. play. I don't know if you, if you remember the play where they rushed three, and uh, Austin literally left open the quarterback for the three rushers. Couldn't get much yardage going forward. Yeah. It's like the backside yeah. just, just collapsed. They ran that you know middle screen. They ran that middle yeah. screen through the screen to the right side. And I'm like, and I'm, like, uh, I'm sitting there looking at that. I'm sitting there looking at that, and I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm praying for you, Tashay Winfrey. <laughs> yeah. you got to get rid of that ball, like, quickly. Oh, yeah. And she did, she did get rid of the ball, but what I'm saying is they didn't have enough uh, – you know, blocks and, and playmakers. And when, uh, when Emma, Emma Lee, the center, got just tossed to the side, uh, that was pretty much the, you know, the exclamation on the game. They're already up like yeah. 36 to six or whatever. So you already knew that that was just, you know, it's just, just the end of the game, physical game. Um, Dallas, I'm, I'm telling you right now, based on their play against the temptation and your analysis that Victoria wasn't, didn't play the remainder of the game. We could have been seeing a two and O Dallas desire right now, so uh, it's just okay. it, it's just they've played that good. Um, so the the defense, I will give you a history behind it. Um, you had uh, Daniel Hawkins on the defensive end, Shante Sharif on the defensive end, and the little history behind that is they were on the Omaha Heart team two years ago that was the number one defense in the LFL. So you can tell right there, <laughs> you put those two beasts, which were on the number one defense in the L- in the LFL two years ago on Omaha, and then you add, you know, uh, Sunshine Yuli and you add Victoria Thomas on the defense, and you add Jay, uh, Jay Randall, uh, yeah, not going to be a happy sight. <laughs> they, so, they were uh, you know, pretty solid. They were, yeah, they pretty were solid. unblockable. Oh, yeah, yeah, pretty solid. And, and in a game like a – you know, the, the scope of the game uh, – Troy, in this arena aspect of the football, you know, in arena setting, I mean, you're looking at seven on seven. So it's one on one. It's really what it is. If you can't take your man, you are, yeah, you're getting pancaked the whole game. Um, so it's just, that's what happened to Austin. They, they got pancaked. They couldn't. I mean, how many uh, drops in the end zone? I mean, Michelle Marshall dropped in the end zone. A couple drops that were big plays also got dropped on the side. Um, I, I really, if we really had to boil it down to, we had to give hats off to, uh, Selena Fudge for just, you know, playing her, playing her lights out on offense and defense to try to contain Dallas. And she made some good plays on offense and defense, but you know, uh, on defense, I mean, she was trying to wrap everybody she can get a hold of and she was on almost every play. So, you know, hats off to her, hats off to Selena Fudge and Austin. Austin has to rebuild at this point. Uh, it doesn't get easier for them. Um, so, Troy, uh, let's let's look forward here. Uh, the Acoustic, <laughs> they will host the Los Angeles Temptation Week 9 against Coach Tui and Monique Gaxiola. I, I don't know if that's uh, a good thing or we're going to look it's, at another, another scenario like Dallas. Not. It's not a good team because, you know, listen, you know, as much as we talk about the physicality of Dallas, it's not like, you know, L.A. is a slouch either. I mean, that, that team, they, they go out there and they hit, and they have so much star power on that squad that, you know, it's, it's going to be a hard sell for someone to sit back and say the acoustics have 
a shot. But you know what? This is football. That's why they play the games. To quote Chris Berman, who's retiring this year, I think I'm like the only guy that's sad about that, though. But, you know, that's yeah, not yeah. even near, here or there. <laughs> yeah. For us, that would be sad because we, we lived through that. Uh, he was a great guy. I mean, he was a good sportscaster and everything else. Um, so for Dallas, uh, we're go- we look forward to, uh, what is it, week, uh, let's see, Dallas week 10. So, uh, Troy, the assessment is K.K. Matheny, Dan- Danica Brace, uh, Stevie the Bull Snore. Snore uh, they're the top dog, no question, right? Because we haven't seen Atlanta yet. In Atlanta we get to see this weekend. But in the whole scope of the LFL right now, Seattle is basically top dog. So d- guess yeah. who gets to face Seattle <laughs> week 10? The Desire. So um, oh, wow. I, I don't know if this acoustic, acoustic game was a tune-up for that. And given the fact that Victoria didn't play against the Temptation, um, if I had to put my money on this, this is going to be a very hard-fought game. And given, given the pressure that Dallas put on uh, on Austin and pressure they put on ta- on Los Angeles, it's going to be a good game. So Seattle, uh, Seattle basically is already in the playoffs. They're three and zero. So Dallas is playing for a playoff berth. So they would be playing for uh, if they win, they would be two and one, and they would probably be in the mix for the playoffs. Um, so that's the two roads that these two uh, teams have to wait for. So um, the acoustic taking on on Los Angeles on June 11th, week nine at Cedar Park, and then the Dallas Desire is going to take on hosting the Seattle Miss to Pepperina in Frisco on June 18th. And this coming weekend, let's just go ahead and preview this up, the new-look Omaha Heart, which played really good against, obviously, the New England Liberty, which is an expansion team. And so 26-6 to was the victory. This week, they take on the best team in the East in terms of the Eastern Conference, the Atlanta Steam, Dakota Hughes, uh, and company come to uh, they 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 get to host uh, Omaha Heart. Um, I don't know if the outcome is going to be good, but given the, what they played in terms of the game they won, they're one and zero. The Heart and uh, Atlanta's uh, just basically coming into the first game. Atlanta has a weird schedule. I will just let's go down the schedule at this point. Atlanta has a weird schedule. They play June third, which is this coming weekend. And they don't get to play until Saturday, July 9th against the Temptation. So I don't know if that gap is going to be a factor or is rest going to be great for them. You know what I mean? It's just a lot of, a lot of waiting time. And they get to play after that is back-to-back games. They get to play against uh, New England. So, um, so I don't know if that's going to be helpful to Atlanta or not, but um, we'll see how that turns out at this point. Um, but they do get to play in a lot of games going forward towards the end of the season. They still get to play the Chicago Bliss uh, on the week 16. So we'll see how that turn, transpires. So uh, if you had to make a decision and a preview this week, Atlanta versus Omaha, who are we taking? Uh, for me, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> Omaha lost some players. You know, um, they lost some players that they had last year. So I'm – Probably gonna have to lean to Atlanta. Are they playing in Atlanta? Oh yeah, they're playing in okay. the ATL for sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to go with Atlanta. So yeah, I don't think Dakota, Dakota Hughes is gonna uh, lose her first game. <laughs> Omaha just has to bring really good defense, 
and try to be contained. It would be a shock and surprise if Atlanta got off this year and an 0-1 start. Now, that would be a, a huge applause for uh, Omaha Heart. So, uh, Omaha Heart, uh, if you're listening, your your task is to upset the steam at home. Uh, so, it's a big task, anyways. Um, so, look at the picture right now. Let's run down the recap like we did last week. Um, Austin lost to Seattle in the first week, 44-8. Then the Omaha Heart that we're talking about, they won 26-6 at home against the New England Liberty. Uh, the Temptation faced Seattle, and uh, Seattle beat L.A. 20-12, to and that was in week three. Week four, uh, the Acoustic took care of business, and they took care of New England, 41-21. Uh, to Week five, recap here, Los Angeles against Dallas, one of the best games probably all season so far, 33-32, nail-biter. That's probably the best game probably all season right now. Uh, so if you need to watch it, you can go to the Legends Football League YouTube channel, they should have it there. Week five, uh, Los Absolute Angeles versus uh, Dallas. It's a very good game. It's probably the best game all season so far. So, congrats to the both teams there. And then Seattle, Chicago, 40 to 28. Probably second best game out of the season if you had to rank them right now. And then you have Dallas uh, putting on a clinic against the Austin Acoustic, a muscle clinic, if you want to call it that, uh, 46 to 6. So, uh, Austin needs to regroup and get ready for the temptation. <laughs> and then you have uh, Atlanta taking on the Omaha Heart. So next week, we'll kind of recap uh, the Atlanta game, uh, um, the Omaha Heart. It's not going to be on YouTube, uh, but the week after, we'll recap it. So as soon as it com- comes on YouTube, we'll recap the game. So, uh, Troy, let's go into the women's recap then at this point, since we're done with LFL, and we'll go into North America. We talked to Taylor about the WFA playoffs, we talked to Neil last week about the WFA playoffs. So if you need any, need information on the WFA playoffs, you can go to the WFAfootball.net site, WFAfootball.net, and there's the playoff brackets there. Week 10 is coming up. So let's type, type in into week 10 here. Let's dive into it. Um, I want to just basically tell everybody it's, it's going to be very good games this weekend. So let me pull that up right now and take a look at that, the WFA um, I don't know if you have it up, but I'm, i i got to look it up right now. And it's going to be week 10 in the WFA. Let me pull it up. We have some, some classic matchups coming up. Chicago is going to be taking on Pittsburgh this coming weekend. So uh, Lisa Horton and you've got, uh, you know, um, Rachel Gore coming into week, uh, week 10. Let me look at the full schedule here. And this is going to be an exciting weekend. Uh, i I mean, it just you can't not be a fan this weekend. This is this is going to be huge. Two double two double clashes this weekend. So week ten, here we go. Uh, Boston Renegades after losing uh, Allison Cahill to the injury, the collarbone injury. So we'll see how they're going to rebound with a with a backup quarterback. Um, they're going to be taking on the um, Allie Hamlin and the DC Divas. DC must uh, must win for them just to get into the playoffs at this point. More positioning. Uh, Boston really needs to win this game if they want to supplant themselves in the playoff position. You have Chicago Force uh, hosting the Pittsburgh Passion. Same scenario here. It's going to be a great game. Two of the marquee games this week are those two games. I think if you had to put it in perspective, that's the two games that you got to be looking for in terms of, you know, big games. Then we also have the rest of the slate. we got about 19 games on, uh, on the slate including the Central Cal War Angels taking on the Pacific Warriors. 
you have the Portland Shockwave. Uh, it's going to be taking on the Seattle Majestic. So out west, two other games that we are going to be keeping an eye on this week are going to be Shockwave, undefeated Shockwave, taking on the Seattle Majestics. Seattle playing for a playoff, staying alive for the playoffs. Portland can punch their ticket in. The Warriors against the Central Cal War Angels, same situation here. War Angels seems to, if they win, they punch their ticket in. Warriors can actually benefit from a win. So uh, that's in the WFA at this point. So if you want to get the scope down, the WFAfootball.net. So let's go into the rest of the cap. If um, the IWFLSports.com, get the rundown for the IWFL at IWFLSports.com, and you get the playoff scenarios there as well. Uh, let's go to the uh, WWCFL, which is the Western Women's Canadian Football League. Week four, the rematch. Last weekend, May 22nd, it was the uh, Valkyries taking on the Riot. It was 47-21, and the, uh, they get edged. Uh, Saskatoon, 20, and then this week, uh, the Riot win, 27-26, and a nail-biter. So uh, to determine the semifinals, um, the playoff seedings are going to be on June 12th. Regina will face the Wolfpack in the, in the playoffs, while Saskatoon will face Manitoba Fearless. In the Western Conference, the undefeated Edmonton Storm dominated the Northern uh, Anarchy 61-15 during the playoff berth in the semifinals and will face each other once again this uh, coming week for the, uh, for the June 12th finals berth. While Calgary Range, uh, Rage will win 57-22 against Lethbridge Steel, these two squads will also face each other again for the finals. So the semifinals are set in the WWCFL. You can go to wwcfl.ca for the brackets and the standings. The WWCFL champion Regina Riot looks to face the Valkyries once more for a chance for a repeat, and that will be uh, for the 2016 title here. But Saskatoon has owned the hardware in this league, uh, five championships, um, so they need to, they want to claim their fifth championship. Uh, always a battle at this point. It looks like they're going to clash again to see who goes to the finals. So uh, Regina Riot and Val- Saskatoon Valkyrie. If you haven't seen a game, uh, go see that because it's a, it's a great game. I mean, they've had a great rivalry over time. Last year, Regina basically got over the hump and won the championship. But uh, the Valkyries are looking for a fifth crown. So the Edmonton Storm have been very impressive out west, undefeated, and will likely class with Calgary in the final, unless Lethbridge can somehow muster a win against the Rage. Uh, a shot to upset the storm for another finals berth. Uh, Lethbridge has gone to the finals and has always lost horribly against either Saskatoon or Regina. So it looks to me like Edmonton's, this is Edmonton's year to lose. They got to win it. If they don't win it, that's not a good sign. Uh, Edmonton has gone to the final as well once. Um, so this storm being undefeated, we'll see how good they are. This is kind of a comparison, uh, Troy to the uh, NBA East and the NBA West. The NBA West, you know, which is the better team, better teams in some aspects, that would be the uh, Prairie Conference for this league. And then the West Conference in this league would be the East, where it's not as strong, but they've they've dominated. So we'll see how the storm ends up at in terms of if they go to the finals. Uh, So they'll either face in the finals at the way it looks right now, the Storm, if they go and run the table and get to the Western Conference side of things and win it, uh, they will either face Regina, the former champ, or they'll take on the four-time champs, the Valkyrie Saskatoons. So pretty pretty exciting uh, scenarios to happen in up in Canada at this point. 
So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Uh, this weekend, June 3rd, as we just talked about earlier, Omaha, Omaha Hart taking on Atlanta Steam. Atlanta and quarterback Dehota Hughes will be looking for the elusive Legends Cup, which uh, the Bliss have kept them from. But the Chicago is a new squad, and they they you know looked pretty good against Seattle for a couple quarters, but they ended up uh, losing to the Miss. But Omaha proved that their offseason changes were good against their opener against the Liberty. So we will see how good enough they are to compete against the Steam. So it'll be this coming weekend, June 3rd, it will not be. Uh, live on YouTube, it will be basically um, you can catch it on the LFL Legends Football League site on Facebook as well, and you can keep track of it at uh, LFLUS.com. The Sugar and Spice Football League 2016 recaps week three. You can follow the league at SugarAndSpiceFootball.com. That's the site for game day tracker and score updates now. New design website uh, plus more cool insights there. So you can go to SugarAndSpiceFootball.com. Week three, May 28th and 29th, featured a doubleheader, McAllen Mystics versus the El Paso Envy and the San Antonio Cowgirls versus the impressive Harlington Honeys, who come in undefeated. Uh, McAllen wins 42-6, to get their first win of the season. Uh, um, and the Harlington Honeys win big 34-8, their home, home opener against the Cowgirls. Uh, so this weekend is week uh, June 4th. The Sugar and Spice Football League action, McAllen Mystics look for back-to-back wins in the season versus the Dallas dynasty, which is playing their first game and the champions, Texas lady Jaguars will face the red hot Harlingen honeys. Uh, can the honeys get their biggest win of the season versus the Jags and stay undefeated. It's going to be a hard task for them. Uh, the lady Jaguars are pretty athletic. So we'll see how that turns out. So let's go to Mexico, Troy. All right. So the FXS uh, uh, Mexico championship finals, they are already set. So we got all three divisions. They're ready to go. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page for the updates. So in the Bellas division, the beauty division, uh, the Demons are are going to go against the Jaguars. Now, last year, the Sharks won that division. I mean, they won the championship. And so this year we'll have a new champion uh, that will be for the beauty division. Now, in the strong division, uh, it will be the Dolphins against the Panthers. And last year, the Adams, they won the division, I mean, the championship. And, you know, we'll also have a new champion uh, there in a strong division. Then the extraordinary division, the Vikings are going for a repeat. They won the division last year, and they will be playing for the championship against the Titans this year. So don't forget, you can go ahead and check out our Facebook page for the updates. Now, for the Lexfa action in 2016, you can visit and follow Search Lexfa. L-E-X-F-A, and the website and standings and recaps, you can go to arenafootball.com and, um, you know, go ahead and check it, check out the Lexfa website there. Um, also, for the PGFL, the Pretty Bowl 3, that'll take place on June 4th. Now, West Angeles versus the Evil Queens, that, that'll be the game for the Pretty Bowl 3, and you can get the information for more tickets. You can just follow them on Pretty Girls Football League or on www.facebook.com slash Liga PGFL slash. Now, we'll go to Europe. FIFA Spain, the 2016 final is set. The Barbera Rookies and the Barcelona uh, Buffaloes on June the 11th in 2016. Uh, you can do the game day recap. You can just go to their website also, www.nflhispano.com. Um, in Guam, 
we have to give congratulations to Team Legacy. And I know Joe's a uh, football supporter, the talented uh, Gianna Sarosso, for winning their fifth consecutive championship in the Guam Women's Tackle Football League. You can check out our Facebook page for the coverage there. And you can also look at the local papers on the championship weekend. Give you a reminder also to visit our Zazzle shop. It'll be zazzle.com slash gridironbeauties. Now, this week through fr- uh, Friday, June the 3rd, you get 15% off. And so far, we've raised $80 toward the goal to help the Outback squad through May 2016, which is the end of it now. So please go on there today and, and um, you know, do your purchases on Zazzle. Just go to our shop and order your chalk line gear and help us spread the word that girls play football, they play American football. Oscar? So that's, you know, pretty pretty uh, exciting times that are happening in the women's game. A lot of playoffs happening. Mexico's got playoffs. And uh, you talked about Europe, the FIFA Spain in Europe. We've got a couple leagues that we haven't covered in Spain and Finland, which we'll cover as the season progresses. The German league, we're starting to work on covering those. We have a couple network people that are going to be helping us out with that. And the German League's in full swing as well, three divisions there. So we'll be covering those, and you can get all the updates on Twitter or Facebook as things uh, get, get dived into us. So um, the big games this weekend in the WFA, IWFL, week nine, I mean week 10, and plus playoffs. So keep an eye on that, WFAfootball.net, IWFLsports.com. You can follow them on Twitter at WFA Football and I, at IWFL. Uh, for the latest updates there. And then uh, WWCFL at WWCFL to stay tuned to all the weekend. Be our partners on Twitter at MyYSports, at uh, YWFB Fan Art, which is Michael Burmy, giving the updates on terms of the game day uh, recaps and scores. At Stank Sports, Darren Stanky is going to be covering the WWCFL recaps as well. Keep an eye out for that, as well as StarPhoenix.com and TheLeaderPost.com up in Canada. To, uh, provide us with some of the uh, game day insights as well. And at Random Riot Fan, which covers the uh, Regina Riot on game days also. So we want to thank them for helping us out. We will tweet out the live feeds as they become available. So if you have any live feeds uh, for Regina, just a reminder, the Regina Riot are on Access 7 locally in Saskatoon and in the Regina area. So they, they replay their games live. It's a local um, broadcast. It's community broadcast. So they've been a very, very gracious for them to – it's kind of like the LFL delay game. So if you want to get the schedule, you can go to the Regina Riots website, and then you can uh, get the uh, link there to access seven on the game. So if you miss the Saskatoon-Regina game, uh, you can go there. Uh, you can only get it locally in that region, so I have not seen a web link where you can actually view it but I know it's a, it's, a, it's a community channel that you can get locally. So if you're locally in Saskatoon, Regina area, you can go Access 7 for the WWCFL uh, Regina Riot coverage. Uh, I want to thank Taylor Hay for being on the show today. And don't forget, you guys, we need subscribers. So uh, there's a follow button up the upper right-hand corner as you're viewing this for us, and we need to have some people follow us and share our radio broadcasts on either Facebook, Twitter, any other format you want. Uh, we, we need subscribers. Subscribers are going to get us more revenue for us to put into the uh, Nojo Football Project. And if we can get a lot of subscribers on there, then we can be able to facilitate more uh, gear and apparel to all the talented girls that are playing American football globally. 
So follow us here on Block Talk Radio. You can also follow us on, obviously, the LFL Network via John M. Davis, books.wix.catches on ultimatesportstalk.com as well. So please subscribe and click on the follow button and don't miss a show. And if you do miss a show, it's no problem, right, Troy? Because we have replays. Absolutely. So you just go to Twitter, you Facebook, go. and you got a replay. So uh, check us out on social media platforms as well, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for the latest news in the women's game. Shout out to all our network partners that help us bring you the news. We appreciate everybody's efforts. Uh, this week, we are at 5,700 fans on Twitter. I want to thank everybody that has uh, supported us over the five years on Twitter. And uh, next month, we are coming up on our fifth anniversary on Twitter. So really, really grateful to everybody for getting us over the hump. And I want to thank, uh, you know, Troy as well, and Kishi, uh, Erica, and Eric before that. And uh, just an amazing uh, journey so far. So catch you guys next week on the Blitz. We'll be right here. Me and Troy and Inkishi should be back next week, as well as uh, Holly Custis. And uh, so everybody have a great weekend. Uh, To all the veterans out there, as we mentioned before at the top of the hour, thank you for your service. Uh, From one soldier to the next, Semper Fidelis. And let's keep it freedom free. Let's keep freedom going. Uh, So for Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez, Inkishi Free, catch you here next week on the Blitz, right here on Block Talk Radio. UltimateSportsTalk.com and on John M. Davis Books.Wix.com, LFL Network. Have a great night, everybody. See you guys.